0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Now, if anybody needs to come here tonight
1: to have a good time, please get out!
0: The following program is a podcast1.com production.
1: He's a world champion wrestler, best-selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzie. Now, now he's rocking the podcast world. This, 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 is Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, starring Chris Jericho.
0: Welcome to Talk is Jericho, the pot of thunder, and rock and roll. Whoa. The spell you run die. Has been broken by Chris Jericho! Oh! The remedy for boredom has arrived! The People's Podcast is here! Let's go for a ride! Let it go! Let it out. Episode 100, and only one guest to have for episode 100. The man I've been chasing since I started this podcast over a year ago. The person who has been at the very top of my guest wish list since I began this show. And that's the star child, Paul Stanley from Kiss. I can hardly believe it myself, but it actually happened. I sat down for over an hour, as you're about to hear, with Paul Stanley in the dressing room in Las Vegas. Such a cool story. Uh, Paul's. I I always had the. You know, I, I talk about it in the podcast. But I always had this premonition that maybe Paul's son, daughter, whatever, would be a wrestling fan. Turns out that his son Colin is a wrestling fan. About four months ago, we were hooked up and suddenly uh, started talking to each other, started texting each other, and now we're actually uh, have become friends and the big culmination of this text relationship was in Las Vegas at kiss at the hard rock. And I got to go, uh, we went, started this podcast in kind of the green room of the dressing room. And he goes, now let's go into the, into the inner sanctum, so to speak. And we went into Paul's actual dressing room, which any kiss fan will tell you, no one's allowed in the dressing room uh, except for kiss guys, kiss members. And it was just, it was amazing. Get to see the boots were kind of sitting in the corner and the costume was hanging in the closet and, it was just really amazing, and Paul got me a coffee and got himself a tea, and we sat down, and, and we talked, man. It was one of my favorite interviews I've ever done for obvious reasons, and also as an interview itself. I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, Paul told us some things that I'd never heard before, and he's actually a really, really funny guy, and... um always always made me laugh on stage off stage and now I can understand why so um, really really cool to get a chance to to be with Paul and cool for all of you that have supported this show for 100 episodes I couldn't have done it without you guys and also without my amazing sponsors big thanks to all of you for downloading and listening and a big thanks to you guys for checking out my sponsors and supporting them because they're the reason I get to do this for you for free for twice a week and you know where to find them all on podcast one you click on the "Keep Our Podcasts free banner at the top of the pod Then you hit the "Talk Is Jericho" button. You see all my Amazon links there as well. It's the easiest way to support the show because every time you use one of my Amazon links, Amazon kicks back a couple bucks to the show to help us cover production costs. I got links for Amazon USA, Amazon UK, Amazon Canada. A you get all kinds of cool stuff on Amazon. For instance. Paul Stanley's book, "Face the Music: A Life Exposed," it's a great stocking stuffer. One of the greatest rock and roll memoirs I've ever read. Very funny, poignant. Uh, Paul holds nothing back—good, bad, and different. A great, great uh, timeline and a great look into the inner workings of Paul Stanley and Kiss. Plus, you can get all the Kiss records all the Kiss. There's a lot of Kissmas um, products out there as well. I saw an ugly a Kiss ugly sweater a kiss a kiss miss ugly sweater the other day which is great i gotta get me one of those plus you can order the new fozzy record do you want to start a war with lights go out top 20 single burn up the charts as well as do you want to start a war the title track go watch the video now on youtube that single is already uh, high up as well considering it just was released and now we wait until january when the stations open up shop again but this has already been projected to do better. The lights go out, which is amazing. You can also get a copy of my new book and my third New York Times bestseller, The Best in the World at What I Have No Idea. People are saying this is their favorite. Chris Jericho book and uh, I got to agree with him I enjoyed it. I thought it was great loved writing it and I love hearing the reviews for all that but listen you can use whatever you, you can use the Amazon links to buy whatever you want Christmas is coming you still got a few days to get the gifts here by Christmas and if you use my Amazon link it won't cost you anything extra no hidden fees or extra challenges so if you happen to be doing some online holiday shopping do it through my Amazon links help out the show in the process you can knock out your whole list in one shot on Amazon you go to podcast onecom you click on the keep our podcast podcast free banner at the top of the page eh? then you hit the talk is jericho button you bookmark it so you can get to those links in one easy click all right the cinder block party tour with texas hippie coalition and shaman's harvest wrapped up had a great time with both those bands very very cool guys i think one of my favorite gigs was at the orlando house of blues a huge crowd now the upper deck was closed but the bottom deck was completely packed Um, there was over 800 people there which was amazing stage was huge um just just a great great show and a lot of shows were good dallas minneapolis des moines um i really enjoyed the uh kenosha show it was a lot of fun you know even some of the smaller shows were, were a blast as well i think gainesville was an amazing show and was probably the smallest crowd of the tour so uh we appreciate everybody who came and rocked with us the thousands and thousands who came and saw the the cinderblock party tour and we're looking forward to hitting the uk and europe in march of 2015 as the cinder block party world tour uh continues with the dirty youth that starts march 4th in belfast then we're going to cork and dublin going all across the U.K., Manchester, Glasgow, London, Bristol, Southampton, Exeter, Brighton. Uh, go to fozzyrock.com and check out all the information for tickets and all the information on VIP experiences. You won't be disappointed. We spend a lot of time with our VIPs. We love the Fozzy family and we love everything that you've done for us, especially uh, all the people who have checked out Do You Want to Start a the Album? And all the people who uh, still to this day request Lights Go Out and you get people go nuts when we play play it live in concert so let's play it now on talk is jericho 100 this is fozzy with lights go out right here crank it up Lights go out. One of my favorite songs to play live, and this is one of my favorite shows today. Talk is Jericho 100 with Paul Stanley of Kiss. Let's go through uh, the, some of the guests that I've had uh, in the last year. I actually, could probably go through all of them. I'll read them in chronological order, and you can check off the ones that you haven't heard, uh, and, and and go re-listen to the ones that you enjoyed. Steve Austin kicked it off two-parter. Then there was Edge for two parts. Eddie Trunk talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And Kiss being finally uh, inducted into it. Brett, the Hitman, Heart was two parts. That's when I had the really bad audio. I remember that it was like people were really like saying, "Like, did he call in from the moon? Did you use two tin cans and a string connecting them?" And I felt bad because the audio was bad, but the uh, the interview was insanely great. Then Ted Irvin, my dad, checked in. M Shadows from Avenged, Chavo Guerrero for two parts. That was a very emotional interview talking about Eddie and and Benoit. We had Benante and uh, Charlie Benante and, and Mike Portnoy coming in to talk about the Beatles. Scott Ian from Anthrax, Darren McCarty, uh, four-time Stanley Cup winner, N- Natty Neidhart. She was great. Then my first paranormal show, Ghost Hunter Jeff Belanger, Callie Humphreys, two-time Olympic gold medal bobsledder for Canada. She was voted Canada's greatest athlete recently. So congrats to her. Uh, Van Dam, Rob Van Dam, two parts. Maria Menounos, Chris Nowinski, talking about concussions. I saw Chris at one of the Fozzie shows we played in Boston. He came and hung that with us, and it was good to see him again. He's done a lot of great work for uh, concussion a um, uh, exploration. Concussion, I don't even know what the word is I'm looking for. Uh, studying to get to the bottom of, of which uh, all the horrible side effects that concussions can cause. Lita, Eli Roth was amazing. The Miz, always a blast. Harry Mandel, Lejean Witherspoon from Seven Dust. Rey Mysterio was two parts. Dave Mustaine from Megadeth. David Keckner from Anchorman. He was pretty funny. Adam Carolla. William Shatner, one of my all-time favorite guests. I still love the fact that Shatner came in the studio, 80-plus years old, and uh, drove himself there and called me to uh, tell me that he was going to be late. And that was the, I was actually supposed to interview Paul Stanley that day as well, but Paul canceled the day of because he was in the middle of his book tour, and I was so disappointed. I was like, oh, no, Paul Stanley canceled. And then Shatner called. I'm like, don't cancel Shatner. But he called to tell me he was going to be late. So, so I almost had Paul way back in episode 32. So I've been waiting a long time to get him. But we've got him today, episode 100. Santino Morella took a lot of flack. He did that interview in, in character. And people are like, we want to hear the real Anthony Corelli. I'm like, dudes, it's show business. Calm down. Relax. It's fun. And it was a great interview. Sebastian Bach was awesome. Cesaro was great. Michael Sweet, Striper, Phil Esposito, NHL Hall of Famer. Daniel Bryan was two episodes. That was before he went down with his injury. Zach Wilde, Rob Zombie, Bully Ray from TNA, Bubba Ray Dudley, two episodes. Bruce Kulick from KISS. He was awesome. That was right after Kiss got inducted into the Hall of Fame. And he kind of gave us the rundown of how basically shitty they were treated by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And we'll talk more about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on uh, Friday's show with Ryback. I want to get into who got inducted this year and some of the nominees, et cetera, et cetera. AJ Styles, uh, MVP from TNA. Phil Collin from Def Leppard. Snooki from Jersey Shore. That was a weird one. <laughs> Drew McIntyre. That one was a huge rating. Drew McIntyre, right after he was fired by the WWE. Then episode 50 was Paul Heyman and Edge. That was a two-parter. Vinnie Paul from Hell Yeah. That was a good episode. I enjoyed that one. Rob Halford from Judas Priest. Christian, Eve Torres, Steel Panther, DDP, and Jake the Snake Roberts together. You won't hear that anywhere else, but on Talk is Jericho. I interviewed Fozzie, my band members. When Do You Want to Start a War came out? Then we had Zack Ryder, Matthias Yaps from the Scorpions. Uh, UFO expert Peter Robbins, more Supernatural stuff there. Gold Dust and Stardust. I had the godfather of gore, Tom Savini. Uh, Chael Sonnen was on, UFC legend. Bray Wyatt uh, and uh, James Durbin from American Idol. Jimmy Norton talking about Robin Williams. Ace Fraley, another former KISS member. He was, uh, he was cool as well. It was right when Space Invader came out. Didn't get him in person, got him over the phone. And it was funny because apparently he just loved the podcast. And I went and saw Ace. He played the same room that we played with Fozzie and Texas Hippie Coalition in Dallas called The Trees. And I had a day off. I went and saw him the next night uh, to see him live in concert. And his manager was like, oh, my gosh, Ace loved the podcast. All he would talk about was the podcast. And then when I went and said hi to him, he's like, I was like, yeah, Ace, uh, we did the podcast. He's like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, you remember the one we talked about if the moon landing was real or not? He's like, uh, Yeah. No idea what I was talking about. So either he forgot or he was just playing a part or uh, maybe that's just something that Ace would do. I don't know. Batista, two parts. He was great talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. Batista just named the villain in the new James Bond movie. Good for Dave, man. Great guy. Now he's on top of the mountain in Hollywood, which is not easy to do. Triple H, two parts. That was huge to get Triple H on the on the show both those episodes were amazing. Then I had Bigfoot Hunter, Eric Altman, the cast of Total Divas, Matt and Jeff Hardy for two parts, Kevin Smith for two parts, uh, Hornswoggle, adult film star Asa Akira, she was amazing, John Morrison, uh, Chris Hardwick from The Nerdist, Run DMC, Daryl, uh, DMC Daniels, was uh, Daryl McDaniels. He was amazing. One of my favorite episodes was DMC talking about the early days of rap, and just the way he talks, and he would just bust out into these random raps. It was very cool. Then we got Justin Roberts and The Miz were together, Corey Taylor from Slipknot, Sabu, Eli Roth and Lloyd Kaufman, Toxic Avenger creator, Lake Monster, a Bigfoot hunter, Lauren Coleman, Dolph Ziggler was two parts with The Doc, with Chris Amon. was good to have him on the show as well. Then I had Zoltan Bathory from Five Finger Death Punch, Paige from the WWE, two parts with Slash, Seth Rollins, uh, mob wife, Renee Graziano, though she was really cool. Then uh, Chris Slade from ACDC, former ACDC drummer, who the rumor is is the new ACDC drummer as well. That uh, was, was a lot of fun. And then we had Sami Zayn and Adrian Neville talking about Archie comics who just sent me a huge box of Archie comics and I've actually pitched an idea to them, which I think they're going to come back with fairly soon. We'll see what happens with that. It was uh, Zane and Neville who apparently tore the house down with the last NXT, um, Special, they did. I didn't get a chance to see it, but I will watch it. And I heard they did great, and I'm proud of those guys. Then Dean Ambrose for two parts, episode 98 and 99. And here we are with The Star Child, episode 100, right here on Talk is Jericho. I'm so excited. Paul is coming up next. I can call him Paul. All right, there are some seriously talented luchadores in AEW, and not all of them speak English which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos, eh, amigas. See, already learning. Haha. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. Sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk as Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. Talk is Jericho. Alright, in the dressing room at the Hard Rock in Paul Stanley's catacombs here. It's, uh, it's pretty cool that you guys are, are doing this residency here in Vegas, man. It seems like a, a natural thing, KISS in Vegas. It's something
2: that we wanted to do for a long time, but we really couldn't work out um, the business aspect and and some of the practicalities. But it's really, it's terrific. I mean, it allows us to go home, but more importantly, we get to do a show that we really couldn't take on tour. This is a, a stage that really can't be broken down nightly. Mm-hmm. So... Actually, it's more of a stadium show than an arena show. It's absolutely enormous. And how uh, do you mean, a stadium
0: show? Just in the stuff it's, that you have? It's
2: it's wider, it's taller, it's pretty massive. I mean, it's uh, it's daunting to run from one side to the other. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's pretty surprising because it it's basically a a, a fairly small venue, mm-hmm. but uh, it's terrific. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of like um kind of like doing a broadway show it's a, it's it's not unlike when i did phantom the idea that you go in and the show is set up and it's going to be there tomorrow mm-hmm. and and uh, you know you build a certain familiarity with it so it's uh it's terrific it's very exciting
0: was there was there some bugs the first night like they're usually always got to work the junk out of the system on the first night of a tour well the
2: funny thing was uh quite honestly because of the kiss cruise and and scheduling we didn't get a chance to run through the show mm-hmm. we literally showed up
0: you came straight from Miami to here, Yeah, had like a half day off, and then did the show.
2: Yeah, and never really got to run through it. So it wasn't, uh, it was great. I mean, it was, I, I know how much better it can be and how much better it'll be tonight, for example. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, everybody had a great time, but there was certainly things that were missing and needed to be improved upon. So, but uh, look, the band's great. The songs are great. Mm-hmm. So the show was great.
0: Have you ever had that over the years? I'm sure, like, where you went for, like, an effect because you had so many great effects over the years where something just totally crapped out on you. Oh, yeah. Spinal Tap pod closes on your arm sort of thing. Oh, sure. You know, I mean, I don't know of any
2: band that's been around for a long time who didn't see Spinal Tap and go, oh, my God, that's us. Yeah. I think Priest had the same reaction. I think every band of of that era went through things like that. It's just... just, um, you know, um, you, you look at the numbers and figure that out of all the shows you do, things are bound to go wrong. Mm-hmm. So whether you've run down a flight of stairs and come to a brick wall, you know, <laughs> when you hear everybody cheering for you and you're trying to figure out how to get to the stage, <laughs> we've done that. And, uh, you know, uh, going, I'm going to fly out there. And I get on that rig and it it takes me like three feet off the ground and I'm just hanging there like, you know, <laughs> like laundry. So <laughs> yeah, um, right. every, everything happens. but But that's... That's the nature of a, a live show, and the more you add to it, the more there's chances of things going wrong. So, but uh, that's rock and roll. Yes,
0: yeah, part of a live show, right?
2: Absolutely. You know? um, you'll always notice things much more than the audience, and if you don't respond to the, the problems, they won't. Mm-hmm. I always tell um, people that um, nobody's going to hear bum notes unless you react to the bum notes. Mm-hmm. So if somebody plays something wrong and you look over to them, which I have a tendency to do, but if you don't
0: <laughs> do that, nobody really, you know, it passes in a, in a in a flash. Well, like you said, that that's the part of the live element. If you want it to be perfect, listen to the record. But when it's live, the show must go on, and no one knows it's a mistake unless you let them know. Sure. It's a mistake, you know. Sure. So um, you know, that being said, we do try
2: to perfect a show and give something Very similar every night. Mm -hmm. Everybody doesn't come to 20 shows. The diehards are an amazing group of people, but we have to take into account that most of the people who come to see us see us once or twice a tour. Mm -hmm. So what we're trying to do is give people consistency. And um, if something worked one night, you want to do it the next night. Mm -hmm. Um, That was frowned upon for a long time. But honestly, I, I went to see the Eagles twice on this past tour, and then my son went to see them and some other people and I, I said, you know, it's scripted, verbatim. Hmm. Don says the same thing to Glenn and Glenn says the same thing to Joe. But it works. And if you have something that works, I, I don't I don't see it as a, a, a detriment that um you're doing the same thing. I mean, why why subject an audience to an experiment? Mm. Mm-hmm. If you just come in and say, "Hey, this is all going to be spontane—you know—spontaneous," then you're running a very good risk of sucking. You know, <laughs> I mean, just as you know, the, there's a chance it'll be great, and there's a chance it won't be. And if people are only going to see you that one night, I think you you owe it to them to try to give them what you
0: know by. Um, percentages and and by experience mm-hmm. is going to work especially when you put together a set list because it's like there's a real ebb and flow to putting together a good set list and i found with our band when i get a good one some bands change the set every night which is cool but i like having that that like you said okay this is going to be here and then we're going to do this part here and then it's going to take the play the audience to a different place here yeah
2: i i think that um a great show is built on dynamics, mm-hmm. and it's not just a matter of, oh, we're going to play these songs. It's what order you're going to play them in, mm-hmm. and how are you going to introduce yourselves to the audience in terms of um, the identity of your first song. I think your first song should really encapsulate what you're doing and kind of be your calling card um, and set the tone. So we, we kind of have, I don't want to say a formula, but we certainly have... A visual in our mind of the pacing of a show, how it begins, how it uh, goes down, how it builds again, mm-hmm. and that you can you can change a song or two out, but changing what you start with and what you end with, I don't I don't I don't understand that because mm-hmm. I, I don't think it works. You know, I, I hate going back to the idea of Broadway and Broadway theater, but there's structure to that, and. um There's a little room for for change. Certainly in the band, there's much more room to do things differently. Um, But there's a basic framework that works. And when you have um, quite a bit of technology involved, you can't throw these guys a curve when Mm -hmm. they've got lasers and bombs and lights and everything's computerized. Everything's computerized to each song. Absolutely. So all of a sudden, I'm going to go to the mic and and, and throw them a warbler and and do something that, that isn't part of the show. It's not going to benefit most of the people so mm-hmm. most of the time you know we stick to a, a, a set and we we may alter it a little but we usually tell the guys ahead of time except when we're doing something like the kiss cruise and that a few days ago the the second show we just kept throwing stuff out there and it was awesome
0: were we just calling those songs on the fly because i went and yep. looked at the set and it was a lot of yeah, the, set, played the for second
2: the second show i mean literally I, I would lean over and go you know how about let's do do you love me how about doing this and none of those songs were rehearsed. But, um, you know, it's,
0: it, it's our DNA, so. You know them so well after all these yeah. years. Yeah. How, it, how about terrific. when you do a song like The Oath? Like, it makes me laugh that you do The Oath and people just freak out and go nuts over it. And, you know, 30 years ago, The Oath couldn't get arrested. Well, it still can't <laughs> get arrested, honestly.
2: You know, the Kiss Cruise is a, 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 an anomaly of sorts. It's, it's unique because many of those people are, are such diehard fans. Mm-hmm and um i would say those are the people who bought the elder and those are the only people who bought <laughs> the elder so it, you know it, it's interesting because you know if we played that song uh tonight for example i think it would it would go down like a like the titanic i mean <laughs> and and for the few people that it would please there would be so many people that would just be scratching their heads you know for us you know we we have a an enviable problem in that we have so many songs that are classics mm-hmm. and um, whatever you put in the show means you have to take something else out. Um, so in our case, to put a song like the oath in means that what do we take out? You know, what, what, what can we lose? Shout it out loud. Yeah. Love gun, black <laughs> diamond, you know? So that's a, a very special, you know, crowd that we were playing for. I, still scratch my head you know we do that song and we do it um lovingly and
0: appreciatively (laughs) of the audience but um
2: you know it's it's uh it's an 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 odd one
0: well i mean it it is an odd one but like you said you have the benefit of having these diehard fans like some of those people would probably say why don't you play the elder in its entirety you know and that's like okay yeah i mean there's people
2: why don't you play she's so european (laughs) or you know i go why you know but i i get it i get it and um we we try to take into account who we're playing for and certainly on the cruise there's a lot more leeway mm-hmm. you know we, if we're playing here i have to um assume that there are people here who may never have seen us mm-hmm. there are diehards there are people who see us with some regularity and there's other people who are going hey i'm in vegas and That band Kiss that I've never seen is playing. So, um, you know, we have to fill a role for all those people. Mm -hmm. And
0: sometimes it means compromising one or the other. Yeah, exactly. But like you said, you have to give. I've always found, you know, it's like McCartney was like that. Still is. You give you a a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. You go see a McCartney show. He'll play thirty of the biggest Beatles wings hits, and then he'll throw in like a nineteen eighty-five or some really strange tune like that. And I, I'm sure he's doing that for himself, but you know, I'm
2: I'm of the the mindset that if you watch a DVD of the Stones mm-hmm. or uh, McCartney or any gr- big big you know band with a, a a legacy, turn the sound off, and I'll be able to show you every song that isn't you know, a popular one because mm-hmm. everybody sits down. So, you know, if I go see the stones, I'm, I want to hear brown sugar. You know, I, I want to hear uh, honky tonk woman. Um, I went to a stone show where, where it was a night of obscurities. That was the whole thing. They were going to play songs. They don't usually play. Mm-hmm. Well, as soon as they started playing them, I went, I know why you don't play them because they're <laughs> not very good. Yeah. yeah, You know, cream rises to the top and songs become classics because they're worthy of being that, Mm-hmm. So if a song is
0: obscure, it's not because it's a brilliant song. It's because people don't get it. Right. Is it fun for you to play some of those songs sometimes? I mean, I'm sure you have the enviable problem, like you said, of you know, playing rock and roll all night every single show or Detroit Rock City. Do you have fun playing a, you know an oath once in a while? Or I see you're playing Tears Are Falling now. You kind of busted that one back out again. Yeah,
2: Tears Are Falling. You know, we, we wanted to diversify a bit and, and cover a little bit more territory. Mm-hmm. And tears are falling is one of those songs that we haven't played in a long time, so um, it's nice. It's nice to have a, a catalog to draw from, and you know it, it's an interesting position to be in where we've thought in the past. Okay, what do we end the show with? Well, where do you go from rock and roll all night? I mean, it, it, it's it's pretty much the song that's ended the show mm-hmm. for forty years, and I don't I, I don't know any other song to end the show with. I mean that song kind nothing of nothing can follow it no well it just sums up everything we are mm-hmm. and it's the the touchstone and the milestone of everything we've done so the idea of going out there and playing that and following it what, what are we going to follow it mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. so it's kind of like the song that kind of wraps things up and and says you know you have experienced kiss and, <laughs> yeah. and this is this is the
0: summation of it all well, you know, and you just go back a bit. You mentioned the Stones and the Beatles, and uh, and I I actually am a huge Beatles fanatic and have been since I was eight years old. For whatever reason, they appealed to me. I was that was like nineteen seventy eight. My best friend was a huge Kiss fan, and I was like, dude, forget about Kiss, it's the Beatles. And he was like, forget about the Beatles, it's Kiss. And then, of course, as I grew older, I realized that Kiss and you are huge Beatles fans, especially yourself, and you can see that even in the way that that. Kiss is four distinct faces, much the same way that the Beatles were four distinct faces. How how much of a Beatles fan are you, and was that your idea when you first started? We want to be like a another Beatles type vibe. Well, interestingly, um, you know the the Beatles
2: really were the the face of the British invasion, Mm -hmm. you know, and nobody did what they did better than they did. Um, They took elements of Elvis Presley, but they also took harmonies of the Everly Brothers and uh, Little Richard. and they happened to be brilliant brilliant songwriters. Mm-hmm. So um it was undeniable that there, there was there was an excitement and something um about them that went far beyond the Stones. You know, I'm a, I'm a big Stones fan, but what the Beatles were was so much more. And um again, you had a band where you could love the band and love individuals within it, you know, have your favorite. So I, I can't say that it's by chance that um, we didn't pattern ourselves, but we were certainly inspired. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that um, what you look up to um, inevitably um, impacts what you do. So we're much closer to the Beatles than to a lot of other bands because um, the Beatles really understood classic songwriting, and um, for most people who who it may be beyond um the Brill Building in New York was um where all the great songwriters were Carol King, Jerry Goffin, um Neil Sedaka, Barry Mann, Cynthia Weil. Um everybody all the the great songs were written by these people. It was actually in
0: a building in where a they would building. go and
2: write songs every day. Yeah. It, it, literally they had they had cubicles <laughs> and they'd be competing against each other for the next Animal single, the next Righteous Brothers single. Uh, Paul Revere and the Raiders. So, I'm really of of that school of writing classic songs with an intro, a verse, a pre-chorus, a lot of harmonies. Yeah, and a hook. And the reason you call it a hook is because it's supposed to grab you. Mm-hmm. I, I've never been somebody who was into songs that just meander. Mm-hmm. I think there's much more skill in cutting away that stuff and coming up with you know a a very concise um, arrangement. So the Beatles were masters of that. And uh, so, yeah, I was much, much more um, taken with them than with the Stones. Um, Because when I was growing up, it was, are you a Beatles or a Stones? Still is.
0: I asked you that question.
2: Yeah. And um, I love the the Stones. But um, honestly, I I think the Beatles could have written... Jumping Jack Flash, but the Stones sure as hell couldn't mm-hmm. write some. You know, I am the Walrus. Yeah, yeah. and you know, um, when you look at it, um, when you think of an album like um, Stones or Beatles, Stones. What song? Um, Two thousand light years from home, and
0: that was Satanic uh, Majesty. Not that, not, sag- is not, is not, Vegas not sa- Banquet.
2: Yeah, Satanic Majesty. Request, yeah. So, I mean, that was clearly. Let's try to let's try to do the Beatles. Absolutely. Let's, let's, let's try do to Sergeant do Sergeant Pepper. Pepper. Yeah. So you never had the Beatles going, let's try to do, mm-hmm. you know, Satanic Majesties. Let's not, you know, well, let's do Exile on Main Street. Mm-hmm. Like it or not, the Beatles were the ones that everybody was following. So, you know, yes, I, I was much more uh, a Beatles
0: fan and, and uh, much more um they had much more impact on me and all of society was falling what the Beatles were doing too from their fashions from their hair I mean you look back it's like okay the Beatles go to India to start doing some you know meditating and suddenly that becomes the thing whatever I, they were know, doing
2: I always say rock bands make music phenomenons impact society hmm the Beatles were you know impacting society they impacted fashion they impacted politics lifestyle Religion, all kinds of things. So um, that goes far beyond being a band. And I think that many of their contemporaries may have been great bands, but that's exactly what they were. Mm -hmm. Mm, Just a band. What's your favorite Beatles record? Um, We were talking about that a couple of days ago. And, um, you know, all the early stuff is is phenomenal, but there's something eloquent and in its simplicity on Rubber Soul. Wow, I think Rubber Soul is is brilliant because the songwriting just stands on its own. Mm-hmm. You know, if you hear Norwegian Wood or In My Life, those are just brilliant, eloquent songs.
0: Yeah, I'm a uh, I'm more of a white album guy, and only because just the diversity on it. But I mean, you c- you can't go wrong with anything from that time period. Rubber Soul, Revolver, on to well, for me, the, the problem with some of the later stuff, like the
2: White Album, was what I clearly saw was a splintering of a band, mm-hmm. and it became real clear to me that, that they were losing their... Uh, Chemistry? Yeah, and, and there, was, there was clearly a, a lack of interest in what each other were doing. Mm-hmm. It's almost like tolerating each other, and, and I, I saw that, and Abbey Road, the same thing but more so the white album just kind of threw me it, it just seemed like a hodgepodge hmm. of a bunch of guys and look uh on a much smaller scale i've experienced that you know we've done albums where they were very fractured and there was a, there was not a sense the reality was we were doing things on our own mm-hmm. and um it doesn't make for a cohesive album so for me the diversity was more based upon friction
0: mm-hmm. in the band mm-hmm. as opposed to um a journey they were all on together well you you went through that i mean it's i mentioned becoming a kiss fan probably in the mid 80s i think the first thing where really kiss it's funny because i i talk to people all the time and say my favorite era of kiss is 80s kiss because mm-hmm. i was a teenager i came into my own at that point in time and i think the first thing i saw was heavens on fire you had the i remember the the hands on fire yep. and then jumping through the the hoop the hoop. Of flames at the end yeah and it was like Paul Stanley's cool. You know, and then you know because I knew the dichotomy of Gene and Paul, but you kept it going in the 80s. It was it was your thing. Like mm-hmm. I would go buy a record and look on the back and see what songs did Paul Stanley and Desmond Child write. Those are already my favorite songs. Those mm-hmm. are the ones I want to hear first. So you've experienced this where you said like you said you're fragmented and you're having a band that's kind of more on you than anybody else. Yeah. And um
2: you know, honestly it's nothing that i wanted mm-hmm. i i see the power in a band and i i think that um a great band makes the individual stronger mm-hmm. instead of um you know trying to to um put a spotlight on yourself if the band's good you, people will, will find you mm-hmm. so um to be in a position where i had to kind of carry the band and unfairly do it under the guise of the band when it really Mm -hmm. wasn't the band so that wasn't wasn't fun or or compromising albums by putting on tunes that didn't really deserve to be Mm -hmm. on an album um but that was you know that was the way it was at that point but the band is always best when it's operating on all cylinders and the band today is phenomenal i mean it's you know It's lethal. Mm -hmm. We just just play terrifically. Everybody's on the same page. Everyone's got perfect chemistry. Everybody's on the same page, and I think everybody appreciates what we have. And I think we all accept each other. Certainly Gene and I accept each other uh, much more. We've made great lives for each other, Mm -hmm. and they're very different than what the other would want. He'd kill himself (laughs) if he had my life, and I would do the same. So... um, but we're very appreciative of what we have, and, and uh, it's, it's terrific.
1: Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Sometimes people say, why do you write songs about women taking off their clothes? I thought that and I thought, probably because I like looking at naked women.
0: In the dressing room at the Hard Rock, in Paul Stanley's uh, uh, catacombs here, how was it you mentioned when there's some certain songs that maybe, like, you know, obviously it has to be Gene's songs, it has to be Paul's songs. And you were killing it at that time. Great chemistry with Desmond Child. Uh, How was it for you, like, when Gene would submit, like, a you know, a burn, bitch, burn or something? Oh, it was horrible. (laughs) You would know, like, come on, Yeah, no, it was horrible.
2: You know, it's horrible because we were working under this um, idea of quotas, and entitlement and quotas and entitlement have no place in a band they have no place in in most of life you're not entitled to anything Mm -hmm. you should get what you deserve and to um have songs on an album because you are there is nonsense so it was disheartening to to have to to tolerate you know mediocrity Mm -hmm. and to tolerate um participation that wasn't um um heartfelt or wholehearted Mm -hmm. so no it wasn't fun did you
0: sing on any of those songs would you try and help out at all or try and you know anything or
2: i mean honestly you can't help out on on you know (laughs) when the ship's going down man you know a cork isn't going to save
0: it (laughs) yeah right but i I always point out too that like in the 80s around that time between i love it loud and uh all the way up to um unholy there was never a gene video slash single for any one of your records at that point in time so it was about 10 years yeah 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 and uh what i love about the last
2: two albums is that it's really a return to four people working together Mm -hmm. looking each other in the eye writing together when um we decided to do those albums the first law was i produce if i can't produce then we're not doing the albums because i i wanted to have control of a situation so we didn't have people running off and doing 10 different things when they should be doing the album we didn't have people co-writing with people who might be in a sense, writing the whole song and you're putting your name on it. Mm -hmm. So everybody was, you know, reacted admirably to it. And, um, you know, we we literally wrote that stuff together in some form or fashion. And I know that initially when I said to Gene, we have to write together, you know, he he was a bit reluctant. It's like uh, the
0: old days, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: But, um, you know, we we kind of went astray when we, we decided, each of us, I want to do things my way. Well, that's that's great, but it may have satisfied our egos, but I don't think it necessarily turned out the best material. Mm-hmm. So, on the last two albums um, with with Sonic Boom and with Monster, it was really great to sit around, and you know, uh, one of the other things that's so great is it's it's not loaded like it used to be. In other words, we can be in a room and work together, and our decisions aren't tied to like. Um, other issues you know it's it's um funny the the analogy i just thought of is people say that one of the the greatest factors in marriages breaking up is moving or redecorating and Hmm. the reason that is isn't because let's say redoing your house is is all that um pivotal but what it is is you your issues manifest themselves in things other than what they really are in other words you and your 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 mate get into a fight about the the color of a sofa well that fight really has nothing to do with the color of the sofa somebody's pissed at somebody for something else that happened so i think that for a long time that was playing into things at this point you know people who work with us are amazed how great the band gets on Mm-hmm. No, we just go in. There's no ego attached to it at this point. We we do what we do, and, and um, we're trying to do the best we can, and there's nothing else attached to it. Not my way, your way. But that being said, somebody has to drive the car. Right. So, um, but again, the band is so great because nobody has um, counterproductive
0: ego attached to mm-hmm. it. You know. And plus, you know the songs too that that that, that you're doing. We I mean, you talk about "Say Yeah" or "Modern Day Delilah" or, or "Wall Sound," "Hell, Hallelujah." The great, great tunes. And there's a lot of great input from Gene. And there has been basically since the Revenge record. You must have been really happy when he came in back, you know, 20 years ago. said, so I got Domino, and I got Unholy. Like, oh, my my guy is back.
2: Yeah, he 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 felt better at that point, you mm-hmm. know, and um, found a persona outside of the makeup that he was comfortable with. So Mm -hmm. that's a big part of it for him because if he's not comfortable with the way he looks, then he's really not comfortable um, with that point of view. So I think around revenge, you know, and plus we brought um, Bob Ezrin back in, which was a a huge, Mm. huge, huge help at that point. Um, We still needed producers at that point because there was still enough ego issues between gene and i primarily certainly um that we needed a deal breaker you know we needed somebody who who would be the extra vote Mm. and that was really the the purpose but in bob's case bob is a a brilliant producer he's also a great songwriter so it was great to have him
0: there and he made a a huge difference in making that record. See, all three of the records you did with Bob Ezrin had such a, an interesting twist to them. We talk about the Beatles and, you know, Stones, and even there's, like, Pink Floyd elements, and it, it's a very, all three of those records, very mature as far as tempo changes and adding strings and choirs. That's always kind of distance kiss away from the normal rock as well. Like even The Elder, we talked about it. But there's a lot of really deep stuff. Same with, you know, a song like I Just Wanna. I just Mm -hmm. want to fuh. I just want Mm to fuh, and then it breaks down to like this thing with choirs and like what is going on. Well, you know, very Beatlesque. When
2: when things were good with Bob, whenever the chemistry is really good, um, it certainly pushes me. Like with "I Just Want to," that whole middle section just came to me, you know. And um, even "Psycho Circus," although Bob wasn't involved in that song, Bob was going to do that album, and Mm -hmm. it didn't didn't work out. Yeah. I mean, we really wanted Bob involved. It would in have that. fit, right? The return yeah. of the original Kiss would have been terrific. Room, yeah. um, but Bob couldn't be there, and I remember recording "Psycho Circus" the song and saying to him, "I played it for him and said, when I was in there, I was thinking, what would Bob do?" <laughs> and he goes, "You did it." You know, so, <laughs> so that you know, Bob's really good. I mean, when he's on his game, he's
0: he's terrific. Do you still um, think about doing another record? Because it was a long time between Psycho and, and, and yeah. Sonic well, Boom. I mean, Psycho Circus was
2: such a nightmare to make that it kind of turned me off to the whole idea of making another album. Mm. But then at some point I thought, I don't want that to be our last album. Yeah. It's it's not a good memory, although Psycho Circus has turned out to be a great song. Yeah, the song, uh, absolutely. You know,
0: it, it's terrific. Why but, do you say it was a nightmare, just fragment well, again? Well, uh,
2: yeah, I mean, you, you know... He, everything was wrong and you know I always get into the the problem that I have is that people say you know why don't you stop bashing Ace or why don't you stop bashing Peter and I go well if you ask the same questions I have to give you the same answer <laughs> the answer is not going to change don't ask the question mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the truth is the truth um, it's not a matter of wanting to bash somebody I you know I, I have to tell it the way it, the way it is so Psycho Circus was kind of like, you know, the result of a cancer that was was, was building. Um, we had gotten back together. We brought those guys back. And they were just completely apologetic and um, remorseful and thankful to be back. And um, we never said they were going to be equal partners. Well, why would they be equal partners? Mm. The band existed. You guys think, kept the ship rolling. Yeah, yeah. You know, so... Um, that being said, nobody should nobody should start a collection. Although they might need it now, but <laughs> no, you know those guys won the lottery twice, mm-hmm. and when they came back, they were pretty broke, and we could we could take pretty out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, it wasn't too long after things started to happen again that they started doing the same stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, it just became ugly and and no fun um and that's that's the worst when it's no fun it's supposed to be fun well it's supposed to be fun and i found myself you know by um i mean the the farewell tour was us wanting to put kiss out of its misery you know and for a while honestly we lost sight that we didn't have to stop we had to get rid of them Mm mm-hmm so the farewell tour was really because it was unbearable to be with those guys. Not just on a personal level, the 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 playing was was hmm. um, erratic. Is a nice way of putting it. It was not, you know, you just never knew what was going to happen day to day on stage, mm-hmm. and it was a challenge getting somebody to leave their room to come to the lobby to mm-hmm. forget about the show. So anyway. Um, the idea of doing Psycho Circus, the idea behind doing it was much greater than the reality. It yeah, looked of a lot better it. on paper. Yeah, yeah. You know, Hey, let's do an album together. And then it's like, well, wait a minute. it, You know, you've got guys who are trying to renegotiate deals and we're talking to lawyers more than we're talking to them. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, again, the, this, this idea of, I, I should have this many songs and, Honestly, I've been writing songs for fifty years, mm-hmm. and I've gotten pretty good at what I do. That's <laughs> right, especially for the Kiss brand. Yeah, so it just became it became ugly
0: and and sad, and uh, you know. Let me, ask, it, let me ask you a question from from a musician's standpoint. I mean, I think you always talk about Paul Stanley, the front man and the, and the singer, and the great great at both. Also a, a, a really good, great rhythm guitar player, which I think is kind of the forgotten thing that Paul Stanley does. And is it hard when you have a two-guitar band, and obviously you played with Ace Frehley for years, and then he leaves, and then Vinnie Vincent comes in, and then Mark St. John, and then Bruce, and then Ace comes back, and then Tommy. Was it hard, to, I mean... Keith Richards talks about the ancient art of weaving that mm-hmm. him and Ron would do. They just play. I don't know. I'll play the rhythm. You play the soul. and They just lock in together. Was it hard as a musician to have to change guitar players or is it um, something you just were able to just work with,
2: you know, w- without trying to make myself more important than I, <laughs> than I am? You have to play with me. Right. Well, you're the rhythm guitar player. Yeah. And you have to feel things the way I do. And there's a learning curve there. Mm-hmm. Um, but having similar roots makes it easier. And, um, I mean, even Eric, when when I first played with Eric... There, with there Eric was, Singer? Yeah, with with Eric Singer. There was a, a period of just learning to, for him. I mean, he watches me on stage. You know, it's... it's um, we've cut tracks without me playing, and then we wind up having to recut the track because it breathes differently mm-hmm. when I play. So... You know, yeah. I mean, um, it's not a challenge for me, but it's kind of like um, having to key somebody into what I do and how I play. Right, right. right. And you know, I'll say, watch my hand, watch my right hand, watch, watch what I'm doing. You know, watch where my, you know, where my palm goes. Watch, watch how I, I'm strumming that. Mm -hmm. Because um, playing the notes and the chords is easy. That's that's easy. Sure,
0: it's the groove in the pocket. The groove in the pocket you need. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, um, and I'm sure Tommy's probably your favorite guy that you've played with. Tommy's awesome, yeah. man. That guy is just a killer. Yeah. I mean, you know, we played this last weekend, and he was playing with Pat Travers, who's uh, just you know a, a amazing a, blues, player. amazing yeah. you know blues player from from the late '60s. Mm-hmm. Certainly was was the times we 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 remember him most from. Tommy's just a killer. Mm-hmm. You know, guys in other bands. I can remember Brad when we. We, had, we were out with Aerosmith just going, you know, Tommy's great. Hmm. And that was a long time ago. Tommy is really, you know, he's come into it.
0: Who is your second favorite player that's been in Kiss with you if you had to choose, like, as far as just being uh, a team, a, a guitar team, a guitar well, duo? Look,
2: we couldn't be here today without Ace. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ace and I started this. We laid the foundation for this. So, you know, Ace and I are at the, at the foundation of this. Tommy is amazing and certainly a far better technician and a, a far better guitar player. But Ace and I were the template for this and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, hate me for it. But when we were playing in the beginning, Ace was just fabulous, had, had great, not only spark, but a great approach and a, a, a great, Uh, way of structuring a solo his style is very very uh trademark yeah and he and i played great together Mm -hmm. i loved you know i loved playing with him Mm -hmm. i really did um we we created something that was i always you know what i try to do with kiss i want it to be the 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 big guitar Mm -hmm. it's one guitar you know um it's different voicings that create one big guitar mm-hmm. and ace and i started it and, and you know you know kudos to him i mean he, we 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 started this
0: well i texted you a couple of weeks ago because it's funny it seems like and you've been posting on instagram too every week over the last few months september october it's like it's the anniversary of this album anniversary of that album it's like you guys released almost every record you've done in september or october i didn't even realize that <laughs> yeah but but with
2: uh the internet and with uh Twitter and everything, yeah. I see things I never saw before. It's like, holy cow, you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> clockwork.
0: Yeah, it's like every, I don't know if it's just coincidence or maybe that's just how. I think I think it was, um, I think it was two
2: things. In the beginning, the first three albums, we were desperate to become successful. Mm-hmm. And it really came down to, you don't like that album? Okay, we'll run in the studio and make another album. How about this one? You like <laughs> this? No, you don't like that? Go back in the studio and do another how album. How about this one?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: But at some point, it really became the economics of it. Big bills to pay, a lot of stuff, money going out. So really, we, in hindsight, the, the recording process had to do with when we could deliver
0: an album mm-hmm. and get paid. Mm-hmm. You know, Right, right. Get the money from the advance. We need the money. Yeah. I was going to say, though, uh, and one of the anniversaries was the 39th anniversary of Alive, and I, I mentioned that to you. And uh, talking about how monumental that record is, and you were saying about how, how smoke in the band was, because it's, it's such a great record. I don't know how, if some of it was done in the studio or whatever. It was. Still. Well, it wasn't do- done in the studio.
2: It was fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, the audience was enhanced. The pyro was replaced. If you record an explosion, what it comes out sounding like is a firecracker. <laughs> yeah. So... Those were replaced with cannons, you know, because when you're at the show, that's what it sounds mm-hmm. like. What we wanted to do was create the sonic souvenir of the show. I, I defy anybody who's gone to a KISS show, particularly back then, to say that's not what they remember. Mm-hmm. So did we um, enhance and manipulate things? Absolutely. First of all, you don't want to hear a mistake every time you hear a song. Um, you don't want to hear an out-of-tune guitar. Um, when you're at a show, you're surrounded by people and we wanted you to hear those people around you. So, you know, what we created was what you experienced. So did we, did I'm, I have no qualms. Mm -hmm. It still holds up in my book is probably the best live album ever made. I agree. I agree. I mean, there's a couple that are in that mode, but not, not as good as that. I mean, I remember. Live albums, and and most people won't remember, there was a time where a live album, you didn't even know it was live until a song ended and you heard some tepid (laughs) applause. Yeah, Yeah. we we didn't want that. We wanted you to experience what you remembered, Mm -hmm. and that meant creating some of it.
0: Was that done over one night, or was it a couple shows? It was
2: either two or three, and I I think um, it says in there, I mean, Detroit was a, a big part of it, but there was either one or two other shows, and I, I think they're listed on, on Kiss Alive.
0: Do you remember that night, by chance, after all the gigs over the years?
2: I, I do remember, I remember around the time of recording and doing some run-throughs in the sense that we would record some shows just to sit down and listen, and some of them were incredibly fast. I mean, we played mm, really mm-hmm. like our lives depended on us, so we, we had to slow down a bit. Other than that, um, you know, there, there was pressure. There was pressure to try to focus on the task of making an album mm-hmm. and still not forget that we're playing for an audience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You mentioned uh,
0: faster tempos. I noticed in the 80s, I watched a lot of, like, especially the, an- oh my God, the, the that, Animalized show, that's the famous thing. You guys play so fast. You know what it was? Gene really thought,
2: and look, opinions, you know, I'm not paying, pointing a finger, but Gene felt that playing it up tempos was more exciting hmm. and that it um showed that we were really that, that it wasn't like days ago well i don't I, not contemporary as much as because um, the faster tempos were in then no it was more like we're live you know it's got to be mm-hmm. be upbeat but to me everything has to be about groove mm-hmm. everything is about pocket of course and none of that stuff has a pocket it's just insane you know,
0: You're holding on for dear life.
2: Yeah, between jumping around like a <laughs> like a like a jumping jacket,
0: and I your mean, vocals were high too. You had a high range in the. That angles. was
2: crazy. It's crazy. You know, one thing that certainly changes with age is is your voice. Mm-hmm. You know, does Robert Plant sing like he bit? Of course not. Yeah, right. Does right. Daltry? Does you know Coverdale? It just it's actually biomechanics. What it what it comes down to is as you get older, your vocal cords stiffen. Mm-hmm. They. And they, it takes more air to get them to vibrate. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a push and pull. The higher you go, you have to push more air. At some point, you can't, you know, there are notes that I sang that are, they're lost. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just, that's the reality. And uh, I, I hear some, some of the stuff and I go, <laughs> holy moly, you know, hitting E's. I mean, yeah. you know, just
0: ridiculous stuff. There's the one note that you sing in Heavens on Fire where they do a little bit of a breakdown. Whoa, and you go like, wah, like super yeah. high. Yeah. And I'm sure you're probably doing that every night.
2: <laughs> yeah, but effort, effortlessly. Yeah. I mean, there was a time where the singing was effortless. Mm. and um, But, you know, it, it becomes like great boxers and I'm sure great wrestlers. You know, you reach a point where you don't punch as often, but you make sure your punch counts, mm. you know, Pick your spots. Yeah, you pick your spots, you know, and and you know that and and athletes know that, you know. Mm -hmm. You you reach a point where you go, okay, I have to be a little bit more conservative is not the word, but um, judicious in in what I do and when I do it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I watch stuff that I did and uh, it's got to be the same for, you know, I can't imagine. I certainly, I look upon that stuff with incredible... Pride, and um, interestingly, you know, sometimes when I uh, I see Robert Plant talking about those days in Zeppelin, it's almost kind of taking a pot shot at it, or or mm. kind of dismissing what he did. Yeah, talking and, and I don't, down I don't, about it. Yeah, and I don't understand that because um, is it because he can't do it anymore? None of us can do everything we did before, but. The pride in having done it, you know, is is most important
0: well and you another thing i love about that you have a great sense of humor even from the text we shoot back and forth you had a very it's a dry sarcastic type of a thing even talking about cirque du soleil last night your line made me laugh if i see another guy on a bird with a bird head riding a unicycle i'm going to shoot myself yeah <laughs> but your stage wraps in the 80s are so funny i mean there's just like i remember being 13 14 listen to this guy talk about this you know this nurse with the biggest you've ever seen like it's so funny, but it's not cheesy cuz it's you. It's like David Lee Roth, he got it over cuz he was committed, he was into it. Did you write this stuff down? Was no. it just off the top of your head? It was all off the top of my head,
2: and I would go, "Gee, that worked." Didn't you know, <laughs> elaborate on it. You know, to this day, I, I it's not that different than that. You know, it's um I let myself go and mm. see where it goes, you know. You're, the, you're um, the star child, right? Yeah, you know, it's um I'm trying to entertain. Look, I am up there to entertain myself yeah and if i'm not enjoying it you're not going to enjoy it and every night i get up there it's kind of to see okay what can i do what can i do to amuse myself mm-hmm. what can i do to go gee that's either funny or that was awesome <laughs> you know i'm a i'm a, i'm a big fan of kiss and i'm a big fan of mine mm-hmm. you know so <laughs> you know unabashedly i i i love what i do and uh I know when it's great and mm-hmm. and there's a a real satisfaction in doing something and you know going gee that that's that's really cool that worked that worked yeah
0: it's yeah, i was laughing too because you everyone, it was in the 80s everyone took solos drum solos bass solos and you went out there and did a guitar solo which was always great too but i did my guitar solo <laughs> yeah. some people didn't didn't get the joke i mean it's very
2: funny because i remember seeing some <laughs> some some uh blogs or tweets about you know that was horrible and i'm like yeah <laughs> you know it's me kind of like taking the piss out of yeah you know, out of a guitar solo. You know look look i'm tapping with two hands <laughs> now, yeah so now, now. So, yeah. so you know you, you gotta
0: you gotta have fun
2: doesn't mean you're making fun of what you do but you, you everything has to have a, a certain amount of humor to it
0: yeah to be entertaining and you yeah. always had that devil may care kind of look yeah. yeah you know You still played the star child, even though you didn't have the makeup on.
2: I can, you know, unlike some of the other um, guys, I've always just been me. Mm -hmm. You know, you can dress it up differently, but it's just, it's me. I've never been different on stage because I don't look in the mirror and see who I'm just out there. You know, I tell people I'm not a ham, I'm the whole pig, you know.
0: <laughs> How I know I'm sure you, people have asked, they might have asked you this too, but like what was it like the first makeup, first gig without makeup? What was it like first gig when you put the makeup back on?
2: It was amazing.
0: Yeah. Oh, it was incredible. Um like seeing an old friend again or
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was it was magical. It was like um um like it never time had never passed. Mm-hmm. Um when when I put the makeup on again at Jean's house. That's where we did it and and tried it on and and the the outfits and it was magical. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like it was like a return to something that was perfect. Yeah, and it, it was uh, it was glorious. I mean, mm-hmm. it was really a, a spectacular feeling.
0: I just uh, started watching um, Fourth and Loud mm. because you know, obviously, it's it's, it's It's featuring you guys on. I don't know anything about football. I'm the worst sports fan ever, besides the fact that I wrestle. I'm a terrible athlete. (laughs) But I liked the show and got into it because to me, it was a real cool behind the scenes look at what Gene and Paul are like as businessmen. You know? Mm -hmm. And you could really see, like, you're very protective of this KISS brand that you've built for 40 years. You've always been like that. Even to the point, okay, we're having this football team represent KISS. They have to be winners. How did you feel about, about that show and, 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 and buying a team? And why did you buy a team? I
2: thought, I thought that the show was a really good, it wasn't a depiction. It, was a, it captured what was going on. Mm-hmm. I had no interest in what they call reality television because it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. You either have reality right. or you have television. Yeah. <laughs> because if all they were doing was filming your life, most of the time it would be very boring. Yes. So okay, this week you 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 know, you sprain your ankle and you know, you have to go to the doctor and then you meet so and so. You make up these ridiculous stories. So um Fourth and Loud was really what was what was going on and just being filmed. And um so for me it it was really, really cool. And and um to challenge ourselves to get involved in something that really isn't our forte and not mm-hmm. something we knew about Are you a football fan i enjoy sports mm-hmm. but i'm not i'm not never have been like an avid follower okay but i have to say arena football is so interesting because arena football is the black sheep of <laughs> football much like kiss is the black sheep of of <laughs> rock and rock roll. roll so yeah. Um, and it's incredibly exciting, fast paced, uh, misunderstood. People think you know these these guys are like you know
0: third rate cast offs or something yeah.
2: And they're the upper one percent of what's available. Mm. There's only so many so many people can be in the NFL. So it, I mean the challenge of it was really exciting. and um, commitment in the hope of building something in one season that would be stellar. We delivered in terms of uh, entertainment. Mm-hmm. The people who bought tickets, um, eight thousand season ticket holders, they loved it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But the team, and it wasn't the team's fault. I, I, there was a lot of things that we learned over time that needed to be changed and are being changed now. So,
0: what's a new world for you as, yeah, as the
2: owner of a sports team? Yeah, it's it's a it's a commitment. And once again, when you when you don't get to hands-on do something i'm not on the field mm-hmm. i'm not passing the ball i'm not running so it's very different than being on stage with a guitar where i am the person responsible yeah you, can you know it's, it's very different the more people you add into the mix so you know i i'm i'm i thought the show was great and i'm excited about the coming season for the team because we learned a lot mm-hmm. you know there was a certain Amount of naivete
0: on our parts, but there was a certain amount of naivete on
2: our parts when we started the band. Yeah, and that's what makes for success.
0: Well, you had a great line too. Where you said, "There's no birthright to be in Kiss. There's no birthright to be, you know, on this team." He fired one of the coaches, uh, and obviously, you've been through that with having to fire band members and stuff like that to keep the the Kiss brand. The integrity of the of the name and, and and the logo and what you stand for have you ever done anything or has anything ever happened where you felt like you had let that brand name down or let the fans down in any way, shape or form? Sure,
2: sure, never intentionally, but at the end of the day, can you say you always gave everything a hundred percent? That's mm-hmm. all you can do. Mm-hmm. you know is every album we do the best when we're doing it? We think it is that's you know when you go to compete in a sport and you try to best your your best and you don't, well, you you gave it your best. Mm -hmm. So you don't always win. And uh, I'm sure we've disappointed people at times. But again, that's also, we're we're entitled to that. We started this band to do what we wanted to do. And I'm thrilled that we have such a, a rabid following but sometimes, you know, we still have to follow what what seems right to us, and um, you know. But there, there have been a few times where, you know, afterwards, you know, in I, retrospect, yeah, in retrospect, you know, things weren't quite as I, I as I hoped. But I, look, I, I'm only one person here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I I I uh, I'm not the end all be all. Oh, yeah. So so sometimes there's been a consensus of opinions and. And we've gone with things that, uh, you know, uh, look, honestly, I hate to go back to, by the farewell tour, I thought we were disappointing people. Hmm. People may have loved the excitement and the novelty of seeing us again, but many nights we weren't very good. And that, I'm sighing because, you know, it... it, uh, well, once
0: again, from a fan standpoint, like I said, I loved the Revenge record. It's my favorite Kiss album. I, I'll tell you, I get in arguments with Scotty all the time. He's like, you're crazy. F you. I love it. I love that lineup. I love Bruce. I love Eric. And then when you guys went back to the reunion, I was like, okay, but I, you guys are just starting to cook. You had Revenge and Carnival of Souls for me as that type of mm-hmm. fan. So I can see what you're saying because that band was a pretty kick-ass, tight band, you know, as musicians, live And then you're going to another level with the original guys, but maybe the musicianship isn't up to stuff. You you gained something and you lost something. And um, my hope
2: was when we got back together with the original lineup that everybody would have learned from the past Mm -hmm. and we would go forward, pick up where we left off and move forward. Instead, we were virtually prisoners to doing the same songs every tour. Like the same fourteen songs or whatever, yeah, not necessarily. You think I want, wanted to play them? The idea that I had to do interviews and you know come up with some nonsense. Gotcha. When people would say, "Why are you playing basically the same set?" Well, we didn't have much choice. Um, so I thought that by by the farewell tour, it was time to shoot the dog. I mean, <laughs> it, it just hmm. it 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 to me it was sad on so many fronts, and musically. Um, I, I thought it It comes down to this. If you read a review or if somebody says you suck and you think you're great, that's all that counts. Mm-hmm. But when you agree, then you've got a problem. Yes. When when you read something that's scathing or you read something and you go, that's right on the money. That's when
0: yeah. that's when. That's when you're, you, hopefully your pride kicks in and you go, they're right. Well, as a professional... The only person that tells you if it's a good gig or a bad gig is you. You know the moment it's done. That crowd was great or we played great or whatever. You don't need to read a review to say, Kiss was great tonight. Jericho did a great job. I don't need that. I, need, I know inside. Mm-hmm. And if someone, if I loved it and someone says it wasn't great, I don't care. If I hated it and someone says it was great, yeah, I, don't, I can't be convinced. I'm, I'm, if I don't think it was up to snuff right. and somebody
2: says it was great, it doesn't sit anywhere near as well or give me the satisfaction Mm. as me going that was great however when somebody says that was horrible and i have to go you're right that's disheartening then there's a problem because i take
0: tremendous pride in what Mm -hmm, i do mm -hmm. every night yeah we talked about this briefly and and there was so much you know controversy and i don't even really care about that but just the fact of with rock and roll hall of fame when the four of you guys actually were on stage and and i'm sure you spent probably minimal time backstage but Mm Was it was it ever a, was it a cool moment to be there with the four dudes or was it just like let's get this on and get it over with? How did you feel? Because t- as a fan, once again, I was there. I was I was screaming at you, Paul Stanley. Um, but just to see the four guys on stage again, it was like that was enough for me. I wish mm-hmm. you could have played. I wish someone would have played. But all that aside, just the four of you there, it was a nice moment. I agree. And all I wanted it to be was a moment. Mm-hmm.
2: It was a. a a nice moment for us all to go look what we started together yeah. but to take it anywhere beyond that no, no 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 I I didn't want any part of it um, for many 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 reasons
0: Just many from a physical w- standpoint the guys might not even be in shape to do the tour that you do cuz you guys are everywhere you never stop we talked about that earlier you know i know what you're thinking
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. all you know all i can say is if we'd put on those costumes thank god for spandex you know (laughs) i
0: knew you were thinking that but
2: you know truthfully it was a great it was it was surreal Mm -hmm. because quite honestly i don't have any real connection to those guys Mm -hmm. um it's like some it's like a page from the past and intellectually I I could get it, but emotionally I didn't get much because there's been a lot of grief and a lot of stuff that wasn't nice. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I look. I called Peter a week before and I said, "Hey, you know what? We don't agree about a lot of things, and we're not going to agree about a lot of things. But let's celebrate. Hey, we've got something. Yeah, we've done something great together. And that was my that was my uh, you know the way my attitude was. This is our moment. To look at each other and go, look what we've done. Yeah,
0: pat each other in the back and say, pat Good each job, other guys. in the back, yeah. and then stab each other in the back. You know, <laughs> you know um, I think the fact that you have such a great band now, and the iconic four faces of Kiss, to come back and I'm sure people ask, well, when you had you know uh, Tommy and Eric come in, did you think about it, giving them different characters? Never. And this? I don't think that that's I don't I understand why you don't. Kiss is the four entities. And I texted you a couple of weeks ago at that KISS tribute band. I was at mm-hmm. I said, like, you go and see it. This is KISS. Mm-hmm. This is great. And I think that, that that's actually a pretty smart move, but you've taken a lot of flack for it.
2: I, I'll i interrupt you for a second. Okay. You know, we've taken flack from a small group of people. Mm-hmm. Do I listen to that small group of people or do I listen to the 600,000 who saw us on this tour that we oh just gosh. ended for 40 huge numbers yeah. the Def Leppard kiss yeah tour. 42 shows 600,000 people wow and um, do I listen to them or do I listen to a few people and it is a few mm-hmm. vocal as they may be but when you when you look at it in terms of proportionate it's a small amount of people mm-hmm. whether it's a thousand people or 20,000 people it's minuscule and Look, everybody has a right to their opinion mm-hmm. and act on it. You know? You don't wanna come?
0: Don't
1: don't.
2: <laughs> I thanks for thanks for the time you were with us.
0: Yeah. Do you look back and say maybe you guys should have done that with uh, with Vinnie Vincent and Eric Carr and had them play the game? Everything happens.
2: Everything happens for a reason. Sure. You know, and and uh, all those um, you know um, hypothetical situations it, it it doesn't mm-hmm. enter into it. I have no idea what that would have done. Um, it certainly f- didn't feel right to do then. So we didn't. Mm-hmm. But uh, once we put it back on, it was... I mean, once it was back on, it was clear we would never take it off again. Mm-hmm. And um, we certainly weren't going to have an Egyptian warrior, you know, <laughs> or, you know, rest in peace, you know, a, a fox. And we weren't going to have a turtle and we weren't going to have... <laughs> You know, snail
0: man, you know. (laughs) Eric Singer's got the big schnoz. He could have been the the beak man, the bird. Okay, I'll tell him. (laughs) Um, I'll tell him. He'll answer for 20 minutes. (laughs) But,
2: uh, you know, um, these characters, we nurtured, you know. Somebody can say, oh, you know, he's making this up and and whatever. Look, as far as I'm concerned, we nurtured those images. Mm -hmm. We made them what they are. We kept things going when others fell by the wayside Mm -hmm. i never quit the band once i never quit it twice (laughs) i never didn't show up i've been there every friggin day every
0: kiss show ever you've played it yeah yeah
2: or the one that i didn't play i couldn't play you know but
0: uh oh but you didn't but someone else didn't play for you though right okay yeah that's but
2: at some point i'll be replaced and i don't want the you know the now, guy... how do
0: you mean when you say that? You say that in your book, too. Right? Mm-hmm. Are you saying the kiss will live on? Totally. Absolutely. Is this something you want to do? like make it like the authorized kiss? Well, it wouldn't experience? be the authorized
2: anything. It's, it's, it'll be kiss. Mm-hmm. you know. Um, the people who said that's impossible are already fifty percent wrong. <laughs> you know, but who can and, replace you? Oh, <laughs> look, you know there there's great talent out there, and there are great people, and it's not a matter of mimicking me. As much as bringing you hmm. you know um, there are people out there who can who can bring something special to the table and you know they're not gonna be horseman <laughs> you know <laughs> you know they, they're they not gonna be flounder boy
0: <laughs> so are you looking for somebody like is no, this something that you and Gene have discussed like when sure. you're 80 you're gonna be you know finding people to play well, you know
2: I, I'm not waiting till I'm 80 mm-hmm. But sure, of course, Um, I love this band and a lot of people love this band and love what it stands for and what it delivers and what it represents and how it inspires people. And what I say about, you know, the band is bigger than the individuals doesn't just go for Mm -hmm. those. Mm -hmm. It it ain't the other guys and, and I'm excluded from that. I'm proudly a part of that.
0: You know, I can understand that too because it's like let's say James Bond. We love James Bond movies. Sean Connery is the James Bond to a lot of people, or Roger Moore. But now we're fifth, sixth, seventh incarnation. The character of James lives on. The character of Batman lives on. The Star Child character can live on. And and the fact that somebody goes, Oh, that's not rock and roll.
2: Well that may not be your idea of rock and roll. But you know, we You've always we, done it your way. We go out on tour, we have a big uh European tour that'll be coming up where one night the headliner is Muse, the next night is Metallica, and the next night is us. Mm. Now, nobody's going to be in that audience holding up signs, you know, what happened to so-and-so. Any more than anybody goes to a Yankee game and goes, where's Babe Ruth? You know? (laughs) Life goes on. And, and, you know, (laughs) we aren't your average band. We're Mm -hmm. KISS. Never have been, yeah. And we don't have to fold because of the limitations of other bands. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I I have too much pride in what we do.
0: Now, you talked about inspired as, as we, we wind down here. Um, besides my own father, you're the most influential guy for me on a professional level. Told you the quotes that you said, probably even off the top of your head. Years ago, Decline of the Western civilization, mm-hmm. the only people that tell you you can't do something are the ones that have failed. I'm not going to tell you you can't do something because I did it. You can do it. I took that to heart and when i said i wanted to be a wrestler and when i said i wanted to be in a rock band and people were like oh come on you'll never do either one of those i always remember in the back of my mind paul stanley said this so i always had this vision in my head like god oh, man maybe maybe someday paul will have a kid who likes wrestling and maybe someday i'll get to meet him because of that and lo and behold a couple months ago i get this text Paul Stanley's son is a big fan of wrestling and it's his birthday coming up and he wants to get a video from John Cena. And suddenly uh, I get this, the video from Cena and find out that your son Colin is this huge fan of wrestling. And then send him the video and then get a call and it's, hey Chris, it's Paul Stanley. Like for me, like I'm glad that we had that relationship because if I would have just met you face to face, first of all, I would have been like super fanboy. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, how insane is that? that Colin is, is become a wrestling fan to where it led to this. It's, it's, it's so amazing to me. He, he's, he's loves wrestling. He loves wrestling. Um, he is so enamored
2: and so, um, taken with it. He, at night after, um, when it's bedtime, he's in his room reading books on wrestling and statistics and wrestlers and who fought who. (laughs) And, uh, You know, it's great and, um, you know, it's got to be interesting for you to see where your life has taken you. Mm -hmm. And it's just as interesting for me to see where my life has taken me and the opportunities that my success have given me, who I've met. And likewise, the satisfaction that comes from empowering or inspiring other people, Mm -hmm. you know.
0: um, How does it feel when like when... If I say this to you, like even for me walking here, a couple of people, hey, Jericho, how you doing? You know, one, ah, Jericho and, and people, it's, it's, I never take that for granted. I never go, oh my gosh, this person's crazy. Like, um, like, you can inspire this type of reaction for someone going, hey, nice to meet you. Like, how does it feel for you to know after 40 years of being this guy in the spotlight, and you're still you, you're a very laid back guy. I mean, it, it, right off the bat, I could see that. From the fact that you actually called me, who calls, who uses the phone anymore? Everyone just texts or emails. You actually called me. Like, how do you feel when you have – do you ever sit back and, and and go like, wow, I mean, this is pretty cool, this influence that I've had on people being positive? It's um, more
2: rewarding than anybody could know. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that you can inspire other people and not – you know, it's one thing for somebody to go, oh, I play the guitar because of you. When somebody says, I became a doctor because of mm-hmm. you, I became a wrestler because of you. It's bigger, and not not to take away from a musician, but the idea that that you, could, you can empower again, inspire people to follow their dream, but also let people know that it's not enough to dream. Hard work is what will get you there, yeah. but it's in your power. You know, to be at this point in my life and, and look at the amazing life I have and also be able to tell other people there's a lot of room at the top of the mountain. You can come up here. You know, the, the peak of the mountain isn't just for one person.
0: There's lots and lots of land up here. Come on up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come join me. Yeah. Did did Colin get into wrestling because of you, or did he just find it on TV one day? He just found it somehow. Because he knows everything about like he's talking about Antonio Roca and all these guys from the sixties and seventies. Oh yeah.
2: You know, he's uh he loves it. He loves it. And it may in some way be an outgrowth of the fact that he's superhumanly strong this kid is hmm. he carries my wife around I mean he wrestles with me now he's when he was seven years old he wrestles with me to win and he's really strong <laughs> this kid is ridiculous so I think that um also he's uh gotten into sports he's um really great you know mm-hmm. um, baseball baseball yeah and basketball. So the physicality of wrestling really appealed to him. And, uh, it's terrific. You know, did you well, ever watch wrestling when you were younger? I did. I did. You know, I saw Bruno San Martino. I saw, um, the Von Erics. I saw the <laughs> fabulous kangaroos. I saw the iron Sheik, um, sailor, Art Thomas. Um, so that's some like late sixties. Oh yeah. Guys, yeah. From New York area. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Killer Kowalski, <laughs> um, you know, just yeah. I saw a, a Saturday night, night when I was home, Channel Eleven, yeah. I watched
0: wrestling. It was funny. I sent Colin a, an outfit of mine that I wore at Madison Square Garden. It's, it's so awesome. He put it on. Oh, he sent me the video it was so great. It, it's like it, three feet too long. Yeah, I mean,
2: he's just we, we when when I get home, I have to pick it up. It, it was made into a, a huge, a five foot wide shadow box wow Uh, i mean it's enormous and uh i designed it and uh it's going up on his wall and uh he's determined that he's his turn will come and he will wear it (laughs) he's gonna wear it it's from wrestlemania 20 that's right he's gonna be there (laughs) so he's uh he's really thrilled you know we're we're going uh at the end of December, december yeah and he's just over the moon i mean we actually had to Make sure that our vacation that we were planning to take didn't interrupt didn't that. Interrupt yeah. that. You know, my <laughs> wife said to me, "That's not going to happen." So he's just over the moon. And funny, you know, my three-year-old—they're all very aware of what I do. Mm-hmm. And how is that? It's terrific. I mean,
0: because my kids just kind of look at, "Oh, it's just dad." Whatever. Yeah.
2: Well, you know. yeah. I mean, my oldest—you know—he's grown up around this, and he's—he's he's a musician. If you're a good dad, that's what counts most mm-hmm. and, and the rest is just what dad does. But it's very funny because my, my three year old says, you know, I want to wear makeup because she's three. I want to be a rock star like you. <laughs> so, so, um, all that stuff is great. I mean, the, the, the greatest ultimately if your fame and your success is a, a vehicle to get you to a great relationship and children. I mean, to me, man, I won the lottery. Yeah. You know, it's
0: your greatest hits ever. The
2: greatest, yeah.
0: Last question. I know you got to get ready to go. Uh, favorite song that you still like to play live?
2: I love, um, Detroit's. I mean, Detroit Rock City is just such a, a great song, one. but there are so many. I, mean, I love playing Psycho Circus, I love that song, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, we're doing Creatures now, so it's uh, you know, I, I'm really pretty uh, fond of a lot of our stuff. What
0: about some of the obscure ones? Like, let's say from the 80s, if you're talking about songs from Crazy Nights or from uh, Hot in the Shade. Hide Your Heart.
2: We, we, we were playing Hide mm-hmm. Your Heart on this last tour. That was fun. It was fun to play that. There's a lot of stuff in the 80s I'd rather not play.
0: <laughs> you know, but, but you listen to a song like King of the Mountain or Silver Spoon. Like, those are really well-crafted. Are, yeah. with the, the gospel vocals on yeah. it. Yeah,
2: there are cool songs. They're, they're kind of like... Um, Little exceptions, you know. <laughs> to the rules. There's, yeah. There's, <laughs> they're like little diamonds in in a pile of coal.
0: <laughs> well, Paul, man, like I said, this is great. It's, a, it's my birthday this weekend. This is the best birthday. birthday I can have and getting a chance to, to get to sit down and getting to know you over the last few months. That's even better than just meeting you on the street somewhere or something like that. So well,
2: You're a, a good man. and
0: uh, Thank you so much. You know. And remember, anybody out there, people think it's my quote, but if you want to do something, go out there and do it. make it happen absolutely
2: Absolutely. always be the the people that you have to be weary of are the ones who tell you what you can't accomplish Mm -hmm. you know surround yourself with people who say yes you can
1: you have made us the number one band in America you did it people ah the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling the collide of football pads
0: Well, the dream has come true thanks to Paul Stanley, the only guest I could have ever asked for or wanted to be on episode 100. What a great interview. And like I said, when we were done, Paul went, you are good. And that just made me feel good to know that he thought, uh, he thought I did a good job as the interviewer. And I felt it too. Um, my secret to talk is Jericho is you don't really want it to be a chronological history lesson you just want it to be more of a conversation more of a chat just talk about stuff because I know what it's like to be asked the same question sometimes that's fine but it's also fun to be asked different things that that make you think and they're fun to talk about let's be honest Um, and it was fun to talk to Paul and it was fun to get a little bit more insight by reading his book Face the Music A Life Exposed if you haven't read it you really need to check it out it's one of the best rock and roll uh, autobiographies and I should know I've written three of them um, you can get them on Amazon you can get this from Amazon through my talk is Jericho links it's great easy way to support the show you can also get the new Fozzie record do you want to start a war or any one of my three books uh, best in the world at what I have no idea undisputed how to become world champion in 1362 easy steps or a lion's Tale around the world in spandex it's a trilogy you can't read one without the other and you can go buy all three of them on Amazon actually you can buy whatever you want guys this is christmas time you got to get gifts for everybody you can do that through my amazon links you got to shop do it with me you can go to podcast1.com, you click on the keeper podcast free banner at the top of the page then you click on talk is jericho you see all three of my amazon links amazon uk amazon usa amazon canada day every time you do that amazon kicks back a little cash to the show so we can keep doing this for you for free for twice a week no extra fees or hidden challenges you're just getting your shopping done help me out in the process easiest way to support the show and thank you so much for supporting this show i i appreciate it so much Every person who's ever listened to even one episode of Talk is Jericho, or if you've listened to all 100, I appreciate it, and I thank you for that. I thank you for joining me here twice a week. It means a lot to me because I love doing this show. I love bringing you diversity and the versatility of the guests that I have on, and it gives me a chance to talk to my friends and make new ones, like I did with Paul Stanley. Once again, thanks to Paul Stanley to be uh, for being my 100th guest and for being such a positive influence in my life. Um, I could never have done all the great things have done without that simple quote from paul and the way he said it the only people that tell you you can't do something are the ones that have failed i'm not going to tell you you can't do something because i've done it you can do it and i feel the same way go out there and capture your hopes and dreams guys go out there and be everything you want to be and do all that you want to do believe in yourself and you can make it happen and that's a that's a message from me to you i love you guys thank you so much for being with me here and i I appreciate it uh coming back to see me again because that's it another episode another fun-filled episode of talk is jericho until the next time in the meantime and in between time stay hard stay hungry peace love and hugs and this friday Talk about someone who's reached out and grabbed his hopes and dreams and made it come true I got Ryback is here to see you for episode 101 alright remember we
1: love you people well, we love you let me tell you something people you have made us feel awesome tonight you can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. that's podcastone.com
2: you people are dynamite